What's up? Rose here. I'm the creator of the Greenlands and this table reading podcast. At least 2020 is almost over. I hope you're all doing okay. And I wanted to say thank you so much for your kind support over the year. It's been absolutely delightful. We've had to take Sisters of the Middle Sun off Podbean because we ran out of space. These episodes are archived on YouTube if you want to listen to again. We're currently working on how to store them better. If you have any suggestions, please send them over. Currently, The Night's Erratic is the only one of our, on our podcast platforms, but that will be changing soon. We have a new section coming to our website called Law. This section is about the law of the world of the Greenlands, its history and its events. It will be gradually added to as we go along. For this episode of the Night Erratic Table Reading, I want to thank our incredible cast, Crispin Holland, Sam Parry, Helen Vary, Linda Dutson, David McCran, Andrew Veal, James Hare, Zoe Cunningham, and Alex Gardner. See you all in the Greenlands. <laughs> Exterior, woodland, afternoon. Quinn and Adamant are riding at a walk along the track, with Adamant sucking his thumb, when suddenly Quinn pulls up. He veers round to talk to Adamant. Adamant, shh! He puts his finger on his lips. Adamant pulls his thumb out of his mouth and looks up at Quinn, who points off to one side, just ahead in the trees. It's Morrigu's horse. He hands both sets of reins to Adamant to hold. Hold these. I'll go catch it. Quinn slips from his horse and carefully approaches Morag's grazing horse. It lets him take the reins in his hands, and Quinn leads the horse back to Adamant. Everything's intact. The saddlebags are still here. Is Morag here then? He can't be far. Let's shout for him. Moragoo! Moragoo! Quinn takes up his reins from Adamant, and also takes up the other two pairs. He remounts his own horse. They walk the horses on, shouting for Morag, and make their way down the track ahead. Quinn is leading Adamant on his left, and leading Morag's horse on his right. Exterior, woodland, afternoon. Morag is still looking up at the direction from where the demon is speaking. The demon looks impatient. Suddenly, Morag hears his name being called by the other two squires. He shoots to his feet. They're here. I'm not alone. I've got friends. They're coming for me. They'll help me now. I don't need you. Quinn! Adamat! Quinn! The other squires' voices increase in frequency and power and Morag sets off, swishing and staggering through the trees, leaving a disgruntled blue mist demon behind. Exterior, woodland track, afternoon. Quinn and Adamant are standing still on horseback and peering and shouting in the direction of Morag's voice. Quinn slips off his horse and gives the other two sets of reins to Adamant. Suddenly Morag stumbles, at speed, out of the woodland onto the track. He trips over another tree stump, but this time Quinn catches him. Whoops. Morag clutches at Quinn and rests his forehead on Quinn's arm for a moment, in exhaustion and relief. Thank the gods! I thought I'd never see you two again! Quinn leads him over to Adamant. You can't see us! You're blind! Why did you leave? I thought, after that book, you would mess up even more, so it was best if I found my own way to the convent. Then my horse threw me... And, uh, We found your horse. Oh, you did! Adamant holds Morag's horse's reins up and shakes them. I've got your horsey. I've got your horsey. Oh, hello, Morag. Adamant! So you're still small, and I'm still blind, and old, apparently. You didn't tell me that, Quinn. No, but, but, 
We found a priory on the map. It's just over there, and we thought they might have some skills in sorcery to counter our curses. And they might know the way to the coven as well. Maybe we can stay there, and I can have a fat cap on, and flumery, and syllabubs with real wine! Quinn rolls his eyes, leads Morag over, and presents him his reins. Morag sighs, sheathes his sword, lays the reins on the pommel, and mounts. Thank Eddie. I never thought I'd say this, you two, but I am really glad to see, uh, uh, hear you. Maybe we'll get out of this soon, huh? Exterior, woodland, afternoon. The track has widened and the squires are riding abreast. Quinn is in the middle, holding Morag's reins. So, were you just wandering around falling over then, huh? Falling over, yeah. Oh, and then there was the demon. Demon? Oh, I don't know, just... There was this whispering and sighing noise, and then this voice said it would offer me my sight back. Oh. Yes, well, it said that I was old too, which I didn't know. I am sorry about the curse, Morugu. He said he would return me to as I was if, in 33 years, I gave him my spirit. Demons are evil. My daddy always says no to a demon. Yeah, well, I was so depressed by then that I'd started to think of agreeing when I, when I heard you both. I think we're nearly there. Just in time again, because my wickle eggs are feeling deadied. Adamant pouts. Exterior, the Priory, late afternoon. The squires arrive at the front of the Priory and fasten their horses to trees. Quinn helps Adamant off his horse and then Morag. Quinn ties the horses up and looks around. This is... strange. There's no one around. Maybe they're at even chance. Spooky. They walk towards the door, Adamant leading Morag, who holds his hand. Quinn knocks. No answer. He knocks again. Loudly. And it echoes in the darkening skies around. A flock of crows arise noisily from the nearby trees. These can be seen against the full moon. There is, however, still no response. Quinn tries the door handle, and the door opens, creakingly. He looks around, inquiringly at the others. They move gingerly forward into the semi-dark priory. Interior, priory, evening. The squires have a cursory look downstairs and see no one. They wander around, calling hello. The squires then go upstairs and wander the corridors and peer into the monks' cells, but they see no one. The full moon shines in through all the windows and casts artistic shadows on the floor through the stone tracery. The squires come back downstairs, again rather puzzled as to the priory's echoing emptiness. Interior, priory, kitchen, evening. The squires come into the kitchen and wander round, opening cupboards and drawers. Adamant leads Morag to a chair at the kitchen table to sit down. There must be some food stores around here, somewhere. He opens a larder door and walks in to find cheeses and sausages. Oh, yeah. What? Is there any dinner? I should think so. Bring some big plates, Adamant. Adamant grabs some plates off the dresser and rushes into the larder. Take that. And that. Hold still. Oh, and those. Go on, put them on the table. Adamant comes out carrying a small truckle of cheese, a large salami and some pickles. Queen emerges carrying a bottle of wine and three tankards. Oh, what have you found? 
Food, 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 food. Well, we won't starve anyway. Quinn cuts and hands some cheese to Morag. The squires pull out their knives and fall to. Interior, Priory, Prior's bedroom. Adamant enters, followed by the other two carrying saddlebags, with Quinn leading Morag. Adamant points delightedly at the large four-poster bed. Quinn goes up to the bed. He peels back the dusty bedspread and feels the quality of the sheets, raising his eyebrows. He nods his head, and Adamant pulls at Morag and leads him to the bed. They all sit down on it and tiredly remove their boots as the moon streams in through the bedroom window. Interior, Priory, Prior's bedroom, evening. The squires sleep badly. Adamant is in the middle. Quinn keeps hearing his name called. He sits up in bed and looks at the other two, who are also having horrid dreams. Quinn sees the moon streaming brightly in through the gothic windows. He puts on his boots and tiptoes out of the bedroom. Interior, Priory, another cell, evening. Quinn cautiously opens the cell door. It is quite a largish room, and he sees the source of the urgent calling. It is a rather comical sight of a small fat monk stuck in a barrel. The monk is calling his name urgently, but relatively quietly. As Quinn enters the room, the monk looks up from his struggling, looks relievedly at Quinn, and puts out his hand to be helped out of the barrel. Quinn hurries across the room. Quinn! Quinn! Oh, brother, I'm grieved to see like this here. Quinn takes the proffered hand to pull out the wedged monk. Suddenly, smoke starts to sizzle from Quinn's hand, and he attempts to pull it back as it is starting to burn. Ah! Ah! Quinn attempts frantically to relinquish the monk's grip. The monk, however, is laughing now and beginning to emerge from the barrel slowly. Quinn's hand is turning brown. The smoking continues. Interior. Priory, Prior's bedroom, evening. Adamant and Morag both sit bolt upright when they hear the screams of Quinn. They both swing out of bed. Morag trips and falls. That's Quinn! Where is he? My boots! My boots! Give them to me! Adamant scrambles around to Morag's side of the bed and starts trying to drag the big sword to Morag's waving arm. Adamant is terrified and is shaking all over. Morag manages to grab the sword and get up. Quick! Take me to him! Adamant sees the magic book sticking out from under one of the beds. It is glowing. The little boy grabs it and then comes around the bed, takes Morag's hand and they hurry out through the door. Interior, Priory cell, evening. The squires erupt into the cell and see poor Quinn whose hand by now is blackened. The monk is gleefully giggling and pulling Quinn towards the barrel. What is it? What's happening? There's a monkey in the barrel and he's trying to pull Quinn in too. Quinn's hand is burning. Morag staggers blindly forward towards Quinn's shouting. He reaches out his hand. Give me your other hand. Your hand. Give it to me. Quinn's and Morag's hands meet and Morag pulls on Quinn. Unfortunately, instead of freeing Quinn, this merely has the effect of pulling the monk further out of his barrel, chortingly. Quinn is still howling. Adamant suddenly rushes forward towards the monk. He smacks the monk in the face with the magic book. There is a blinding white light. The monk suddenly cries out, leaves go of Quinn's hand and sinks back into the barrel, 
until he vanishes. Morag manages to catch Quinn as he slumps, unconscious. There is a wisp of smoke coming out of the barrel, and smoke coming off the book, which is lying on the floor. Has it gone, uh, the monk? Yes, I hit it with the magic book and it exploded. As he talks, his voice drops and he regains his normal age and height. We see through Morag's eyes as his vision starts to come back. Help me with Quinn. No, no, I can see. I can see. The blindness, it's gone. Morag has returned to his former shape and strength. He leaps up, picks up Adamant and swings him around. Oh, thank Etty, thank Etty. Put me down, you giant twit. Quinn's dying. Morag remembers himself and lowers Adamant to the floor. They both turn to Quinn, who is looking horribly pale, with his arm all withered and awful. Exterior, Priory, front door area, evening. The squires emerge with Morag carrying Quinn. They lay him gently on the floor and Adamant gets a blanket from the horse. He lays the blanket on the bit of lawn and then he helps Morag carry Quinn and put him on it. They wrap Quinn up. Morag sends Adamant to get the bandages, and Morag clumsily bandages the left hand of Quinn, who is now half-conscious and mumbles thanks. Exterior, convent, front door, morning. The boys arrive outside the convent. Morag and Adamant are looking around for someone anxiously. Quinn is sitting slumped on his horse, cradling his hand, swaying a little and moaning to himself. They are just tying their horses up and lowering Quinn down from his own horse when a door opens and a plump, middle-aged, cheerful priestess appears, as well as an older, somewhat quieter priestess. Good morrow, sirs. Would you be the squires for the spiritual tests by any chance? Uh, We are, and, uh... Well... One of you looks the worse for wear. Mother Euphemia, the abbess, turns. Come, bring him through here. Morag and Adamant manhandle Quinn through the door. Interior, convent, kitchen, morning. Morag and Adamant are tucking into bacon and eggs while helping themselves to slices of bread and a pat of butter. They have mugs of drink. Sister Blodwin is bustling around the kitchen, putting things straight. The abbess finishes what she is doing and sits down at one end of the table. Will Quinn be all right then? Oh, certainly. Our infirmarius is with him. Our Agatha is the best. She will ensure his recovery. And he'll need some attention after that terrible attack you told us about last night. Have you come far, masters? Mm. A good twenty leagues from over the far side of Spum. Mm, yeah. He is still managing to talk despite eating a great deal. The abbess turns to Morag. Are you the Prince of Halstatten, your highness? Morag looks embarrassed and shrugs. Yes, but I don't use my title under my knight's training. Why did you choose not to undergo training in your father's court? My father wanted me to experience what other men experienced without a special favour. He wanted me to learn to rely on others. My trainer, Adamant's father, is under oath not to betray my rank. Mother Euphemia pours out some more drink for them. So do you then? Do what? Trust the other two? Morag looks up at Adamant stuffing his face and his habitual straight face softens somewhat. Uh, yes, I suppose I do. He shakes his head. I don't know why. 
Yabis sits back and smiles. Well then. The plump, friendly priestess turns from her stove. Now, who's having some of my slumpy then? Interior, convent, cell. Quinn is lying asleep peacefully in his bed, and Mother Euphemia is sitting next to him, reading a book. There is a small bedside table with medical things on it, e.g. a covered basin, jug, roller bandage, some flowers, etc. The door opens, and the two squires half-enter and look questioningly at her. The abbess nods and welcomes them in. They enter on tiptoes. The two squires come up to the bed and stand, quietly looking at Quinn. His left hand is heavily bandaged, and he lies peacefully with his arm twitching a little, occasionally. They look at her questioningly. She motions them to be silent, but smiles and gives them a small thumbs up. The boys smile, or nod, relievedly, and tiptoe back out. Convent, garden, afternoon. Adamant and Morag are both painfully copying out scriptures balanced on their knees, trying not to stare at the beautiful sister who is supervising them as she works in the garden. Presently, Mother Euphemia walks into the garden. Are you prepared for your spiritual tests, masters? Morag looks up from his writing. I think we are, Mother. It's just that we're worried about what is going to happen to Queen. Adamant pauses in his writing too. Ah, Master Quinn will be unable to take his tests. Those who have ever actually touched a demon become unfit for the spiritual tests of knighthood. So Quinn's come all this way for nothing? Now do not be hasty, Masters. There is always something that can be done. He has discovered a new path. She raises her eyebrow and the squires return to their writing. Adamant looks over to novice Patience, a voluptuous beauty who is smiling at him. He is suddenly embarrassed, a very unusual state for him. Mother Euphemia smiles and departs. Exterior, woodland, morning. Morag and Adamant are walking through the forest in their knight's gear. They appear to be looking for something. They look at their weapons and sigh. Interior, convent, cell, morning. Adamant and Morag enter Quinn's cell and find that he is sitting up in bed. Quinn's hand has a smaller amount of bandage on now, and you can see his scabbed thumb poking out. Quinn is waggling it. Quinn looks up as the squires enter. Oh, hello you two. The squires come and sit on the end of his bed and on the stand chair nearby. Hey, you're sitting up. How are you feeling? Oh, much better. After a whole week in bed... Now I'm getting bored. Does your hand not hurt a lot? Nah, Sister Aggie's got some very good stuff she gives me. I can work on my hand a bit. Now. Morag leans over, inspects Quinn's hand and grimaces. It is basically brown and withered. The effect of it moving is rather comically gross. Looks a bit burnt still. Yeah, but look what I can do with it. Quinn waggles his fingers and makes a casting motion. A small flame bursts out from the end of his thumb. Both squires jump back. Whoa! Adamant blows the flame out. And that's not all. Watch this. He extends his arm, waggles his hand, and then makes the casting out gesture. A flame then extends from his hand and shrivels a flower in the small vase on a nearby small table. Morag leaps to his feet with his mouth open. By the gods! Adamant laughs delightedly. (laughs) Oh yes, yes! That is going to be really useful. 
I'm going to be a sorcerer. I've decided. I've never been good with a sword. And I already know about the properties of herbs. Adamant hits the bed. Brilliant! Morag stands up and puts his hand on Quinn's shoulder. I'm very glad for you, Quinn. We were worried about what you were going to do. Yeah, I thought you'd have to be my squire. Morag leans over and cuffs him. They laugh. Well, we'll leave you to your magic tricks then and get ready for our spiritual ordeal. Morag gives an encouraging nod at Quinn who grins back and the two squires depart. Interior, convent, sanctuary, evening. Adamant and Morag, dressed in their ceremonial gear, are both kneeling before the altar. There are candles everywhere. Mother Euphemia gives them something to drink from a bowl. They both sink back on their knees as Agatha etches symbols into their swords using a golden pen. Novice Patience places golden circlets on their head. Exterior, convent, garden, afternoon. The two squires are digging and Quinn is walking up and down between the beds. Adamant is talking to Novice Patience as he digs. She is weeding nearby and smiling at him. The abbess comes out of the nearby door and walks up to the squires. They stop digging and look up at her. They bow, and she comes to a halt. Good morning, Sir Morag and Sir Adamant. And to you too, young Master Quinn. Both of them look up, embarrassed about their new titles. Yes. Thanks for this, Mother. Yes. Thank you for your patience with us, your instruction and your healing arts. Yes, Mother. It's nearly good as new. They all stare at the shriveled hand. It really doesn't look as good as new. The plant Quinn is holding also catches fire. He yelps and drops it, stamping on the fire. The abbess laughs. You be careful with that hand, Master Quinn, and I'm not talking about its healing. I shall give you a referral to a master sorcerer near to your home for when you return. He can have worry of training you. Sister Blodwin comes out of the door with a tray of drinks and a large cake. Celebration, anyone? The knights grin, and Sir Adamant goes to take the tray from her. Exterior, country road, morning. The three men are riding along, three abreast. They look happy. Hey, you know that crazy old hag we saw? Oh, yes. Do you realise that the seer of Etty got her prophecy right? Thank the gods. I thought it was Morag who was going to turn into a mass murderer or something. Well... I can't complain. I thought that she meant that one of us was going to die. Not that only two would become knights. Morag aims a cuff at his head. Quinn ducks. At least you get training and already have the sorcery. Your dad was worried you'd had nothing if you weren't a knight. I'd have never heard the last of it if I'd failed. My mother would have skinned me. Although, if I'd remained a six-year-old, she might love me again. Yes, I felt rather sorry for you as a little kid. In fact, I still do. I was stealing myself to spend a life having to get hacked and chopped at, but not wanting to at all. I don't envy you. I think you're both very brave. Adamant and Morag nod. I know my father and yours will be very relieved that you have found your calling. Don't worry, you two. If you get stuck in a battle, I shall come and rescue both my magic fire... Quinn looks cunning and makes mysterious, complicated hand gestures in the air. His left hand is still lightly bound, but it shoots a little fire out and scorches his knee. Ah! Ooh! Quinn frantically rubs his leg. 
Morag and Adamant roar with laughter. <laughs> they ride off into the sunset very dramatically. Thank you for listening to an episode of The Night's Erratic from The Greenance Presents. I'd like to thank our amazing editor, Chris Warren, for bringing this podcast to life. If you want to know more information about the world of the Greenlands or our shop or anything else, please check out the-greenlands.com, the-greenlands.com, or check us out on Instagram, Facebook, under the Greenlands, or various variations of. I want you all to look after yourself these holidays and enjoy the new year. <laughs>